to e-commerce trade talk this week we're talking to colin giblin about all things e-commerce and everything that's been going on in, in industry and news and updates and what's been happening especially here in, in this crazy time in 2021 um so colin you're over at turtle fur correct that i am and how how have things been treating you this year so far oh this year's been a little stranger than last even i guess i would say um you know turtle fur is headwear and accessories company so last year was quite successful for us being in the face covering market uh already um there was a lot of demand for our product um you know that's slowed down a lot this summer but i think people are just getting uh back out in the world and shifting where their spending is as well so yeah, I think we've um, noticed that across the board. It's it's very interesting because you have you have two big things coming in, right? You have this this iOS Apple Play that's been going on, and and them pushing this privacy rules, right? And then you also have uh, purchase patterns and behaviors, which have just sort of fluctuated a lot this summer. Um, well, of course, they've been they've been fluctuating since the beginning of the pandemic, so it's it's been nuts. But I think everyone's been focused on traveling and getting out of the house and i mean even for even for myself i we can't even find a a, a spot either at the beach or in campground until like october which is it's craziest unheard of you know yeah i mean between spending on travels getting back out to bars and restaurants i think people are still looking at big ticket purchases as well you know particularly for our product and kind of a 17 dollar average price point they can get to that later, um, can be an impulse buy, but they're really looking at those used car purchases and houses still. So yeah. electronics, I just heard was way up for, uh, for the month of June, uh, on a podcast this morning, listening, uh, on my drive into work, it sounds like people are still spending, uh, the savings they've built up over the last year. Well, and, and even now, like this week in particular with the latest, and I, I, I know very little about this. I don't know if it's a new, a new law or whatever, but so you have the child tax credit kickback, whatever, it's like 250 bucks if you have one kid over six, 300 or 350 if it's a kid under six um, monthly now until all the way through December. Yeah. And so we literally, for, for a lot of those brands who um their their customers are you know live paycheck to paycheck we saw an incredible uh, 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 a, a lot of purchases come through in the past like three days which is insane um but we normally see those trends around paydays around tax time right um and towards the end of the year as well q4 so it's it's interesting to sort of see this this these these small little patterns still sort of happen but i think you're right um looking at these, you know, these bigger ticket items, especially now that um, people are trying to buy homes, but they can't get into homes, right? So they have this, they have cash just burning in their pocket. And this is, this is how humans operate, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're just, we're just waiting to spend it. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, and, and what's even more incredible is looking at this year in particular, because last year, um, you know, back to school. So July, August is normally pretty big, second biggest time of the year. And um, last year, I think retail lost like 60% of overall revenue. Granted, it's, it's, it's not like there was less money spent. It was just everything was spent on Amazon 
and a Walmart, right? Right. Um, due to the nature of what 2020 was. Um, so this year we can already see like record spends start to break out because of the simple fact that they're, they're trying to make up for lost revenue. Right. And yeah, um, I was reading, reading something the other day that was talking about the kind of the, the impulse buy shift rather than the plan ahead, particularly with back to school, because as school started reopening and kind of the second half of the school year, you know, early 2021, the same, those back to school purchases started spiking up because they needed them right then and there. And they couldn't have planned it further ahead. And that's kind of carried through into some other things. It sounds like is there's less looking out six months on the calendar going, okay, what do I need for the fall? I don't, what do I need today? Yeah. This week. And, um, and what makes it even worse sort of, you know, add insult to injury is inventory issues across the board. I mean, just the delay. Absolutely. And so we had, we had brands that we were working with that we had to order inventory back in Q1 projecting for Q3 and even Q4, because like some brands still haven't even got their, their inventory yet and they won't get it till September. And so it's like, yeah. it's like, Lord, you know, so you're trying to make these projections in a time in which all of your predictions are just throw them out the window. Right. And so, Absolutely. yeah, it's, it's a very interesting world to be living in um right now especially in the world of e-commerce you know it's so unpredictable um but chaos does make it a little bit more entertaining a little more fun right and uh um now you know taking this and sort of segueing it into amazon so yeah. how has how has amazon been treating you guys over the past year or so well so it's what we found interesting through the pandemic actually was our amazon business didn't pick up and, you know, maybe things picked up in certain categories on Amazon, but we saw more consumers coming direct to our .com site, our turtle .com site, and making purchases with us rather than going through Amazon. I think some of that was the early 2020 fulfillment issues that Amazon had, um, yeah. delays in getting stuff into their FBA centers, and then actually delays in getting it out to the consumers because they were prioritizing certain categories. Um, and that pushed some consumers to change habits for a little while. Um, but I think the other piece of it was throughout the pandemic, we saw so many conversations around, you know, support small business, small businesses are struggling and we're not a particularly large brand. Um, so I think we saw some of that shift of people going direct to brand rather than going to, to big box for non-commodity-esque things. Um, so, you know, Amazon-wise stayed flat for the last last year for us which was kind of refreshing change i'll call it <laughs> no yeah it's that that makes me a little happy on the inside um it's it, it was it was sort of like you know this whole thing happened it was like march things start picking up everyone was sort of in it together right march of 2020 uh and then april came and everyone was like eh, starting to pull apart but the, the craziest part was is that amazon was still running full steam walmart yep. all the big box stores that was very frustrating and irritating that that was allowed. And, um, you know, your smaller mom and pops just got destroyed because of it. Yeah. They're already getting hammered. And yet you're just, it's like icing on the cake. Um, and then Amazon, I mean, Amazon, I don't even know what their market share is now, even pre pandemic, their market share was almost 50%. Yep. And so it's, and even to look at it now, you have what, seven companies that, control 51% of the total market. 
not just retail right. and e-commerce, like the total market. And Amazon's in that group. And I think people, if they have a choice, they would rather not buy from Amazon. I think by now everyone sort of knows like eh, Amazon's not the greatest, right? It's like, it's convenient, which that's why they're so successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, people go looking at Amazon for commodity items. You know, it's the same reason you used to go to Walmart or you still go to Walmart is I got to buy toilet paper. I got to buy dish soap. I got to buy um, cereal. It's easy. You know what you can get. It's reliable and you get it quickly. Um, but I do think people started looking around for more interesting things last year, you know, either the, between stimulus checks, giving them a little bit extra spending cash um, and having a little bit more time to look at buying things rather than experiences. Um, they started poking around at different smaller retailers. Um, so that was a, a nice, nice change. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's um, what we just saw the stats come out last month. It was Amazon has a turnover rate um, for their employees turnover rate of 150%. So that means for every 10 people they hire, they're losing 15. And um, it's it's so interesting to hear that they like their executives had to have this conversation about how long before we've gone through the entire pool of people that we could employ, right? Because at that rate, I mean, you're looking across the country, right? How many fulfillment centers and warehouses and all this stuff. And, 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 and not only that, but then the pool of people who will are willing to work for Amazon or Amazon, right? That and it's really puts it in perspective just how large of an organization they are when you're talking about country of what, how many hundreds of millions live in the US and they're worried about using everyone. Yeah. Yeah, point. no, it's 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 crazy. And, and granted, they are working hard on automation, right? And and in all actuality, automation does displace workers. It's the nature of it, right? It's sort of these fluctuations in culture that we see ever since the 1800s. And industrialization, it's sort of, that's just sort of how it goes. But I think um, when, when these things start to happen, you have Bezos stepping down, right? Because he wants to go to the Mars or the moon or whatever now, right? And, and do his, uh, you know, co compete with other billionaires. Um, I think what this does is it starts to leave Amazon open, right? And, and, and they lose a little, tiny bit of leverage. Not, not enough, tiny, because they still employ more lobbyists than there are politicians in Washington, right? So it's, right. Um, but it's, if you go back a hundred years, right? In the early 1900s, you have the great AMPT company, right? They, they were, they were crushing it. There's, they're, they're basically a semblance of what Amazon is, right? And then they had their catalog and cause that's how everyone worked back then. And um, through the twenties, they started shifting more to white labeling products because they set the same thing that Amazon's doing, right? Where they see, hey, these products are selling really well. We can just call them Amazon basics or whatever, start white labeling. And then that's how they sort of take over and monopolize the market. And that's when the government came after them and basically completely disbanded and destroyed them. Will that happen to Amazon? I'm not too sure. I think politics. I, mean, I did see a, a, a bill brought to the state Senate, I think, in Washington about trying to break up FBA from Amazon this past week um, because of the kind of the nature of it factoring into the buy box algorithm, right? And mm -hmm. how that backs sellers into a corner of needing to leverage 
this additional cost program and then not having a choice to choose a lower cost option for fulfillment, uh, potentially, um, and optimize their own margins because of that need to do this to win. Um, I don't know that that'll get anywhere. Um, it's not the first time we've seen someone make an attempt to split off a piece of Amazon's business, but I saw something a while back that Bezos himself said, you know, most big businesses only make it 30 years before there's a major disruption and then they have their, they've passed their peak. Maybe they stick around, maybe they come back, but, um, you know, Amazon is at that age and yeah. maybe it's about to happen. We'll just, we're just starting to see the chips happening. Could be. Yeah. And, and well, I definitely see them having to, to break up their white label versus the rest of the marketplace. Um, I think that there's some bill that tried to get passed through, but it got shut down about a year ago, something mm. along, along those lines. Um, so what you can see is sort of like, I, I think with politicians, they put feelers in the water and that's how they do it. Like the bill might get shot down, but it's just sort of like, how's, how's everyone feeling? Um, but it, it's, it's, yeah, I think, especially with Bezos stepping down, I think that's, that's sort of like one of the indicators there. He's just like, I just don't want to have any, to do with this anymore like like this is just getting to a point where i i, I would rather focus what was it blue origin is that his space company um, i think that's what his one is this called yeah yeah and he was like you know what is it by the, the end of july july 31st i'm gonna go to space and then branson came out like a week later and was like i'm going the 14th or whatever it was it's just like billionaires fighting against each other to go to space yeah it's um you know it's 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 very fascinating to sort of watch that occur and sort of live in this time too and um me being a total like sci-fi nerd and space nerd i'm i'm hoping like yeah let's keep the space thing going man do i want to go to mars no but like it would be cool if someone did and, well, why and, not i mean just to have that experience would be pretty cool i'm just waiting for the cost to come down a little bit yeah well i think the biggest thing with going to mars is it's a it's a one-way trip right he ain't, he ain't coming back and so it's like i don't know if i'm prepared for that adventure maybe if it had oxygen you know and some and some there you go. Yeah. You know? like i could do that but you know, to to live in like basically create your own prison over there and then be like try to survive i just don't know if i'm i'm not the the guy for the job um but but yeah, you know, looking at what's been occurring this year, I know with um, a lot of our clients, we're starting to like try to build out projections as sort of what we do. It's and it's really hasn't helped us much. Last year, Q4, we were able to build out some decent projections, but the rest of the year was just shit, right? It was just garbage. Um, but for you know, looking at the rest of Q3, since so we just got into it, and then moving into Q4, do you see any trends or anything? sort of pushing one way or the other that you guys are looking to jump on? So with our business, it, it's a little little strange, you know, we don't run on a calendar year. So I'm still sitting here in the kind of early Q2 for, for my world because we're so heavily seasonal. Um, we haven't really seen anything showing itself as what the winter and holiday shopping season is gonna look like. Cause that's really where we're, we live is that November, December, January timeframe. Um, you know, we're still seeing strong participation in outdoor activities, 
which is a good indicator for our business. Um, you know, looking at what people are doing with their free time and the travel that they're still doing is great for us. Um, in terms of, you know, e-com trends, um, you know, one of the things we're watching right now is rising costs in terms of uh, average cost per click on our paid search ads and our Amazon sponsored products and uh, watching that cost per acquisition creep up over the last four or five months, wondering what that's going to look like in Q3, Q4 when it's historically higher anyways, right? And kind of wondering what else do we add to the mix to help improve the performance of those ads as well as um, that retention rate for consumers overall so to maximize that lifetime value. Yeah, it's... um. I mean, if we look at what happened last year, right, we tried to make comparisons to what, you know, previous three to four years before that, trying right. to look at seasonality and trends and, and whatnot. And then obviously last year, um, it was interesting to see, you know, Q4 holiday sales with a lot of companies. Um, it seems like the norm now is starting no, November 1st, right? The day after Halloween, it's like sales Absolutely. go. I mean, Walmart did this with like every couple of days was a, a new sale on a specific kind of item, um, but it worked for them. But we were starting to see that sort of come into play the years prior where it was like, you know, instead of just that week of Black Friday, Thanksgiving, Cyber Monday, it sort of started creeping in the week before and then the week before that. And now it's like November 1st is sort of like the date, right? Um, and we've seen we've seen big box do this forever because, you, you know, the day after Halloween, you go into... Um, you know, your local Kroger, Fred Meyer, or Costco, whatever, it's like all holiday. It's, it's now, it's now, you know, Christmas-esque time. And it's like everything just been removed for Halloween and replaced overnight. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see it this year, um, especially with like what you said, we have these rising costs across the board. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, with our advertising, we've seen CPM still going up, even though, you know, we've sort of, had conversations with other brands and other agencies and, and it's not like people are spending more. Right. Right. And so it's, it's like, well, where is this increased CPM coming from? Why are we paying more for this? Um, and, and I think there's so many different factors to, to put in there, but I do have sort of a conspiracy theory here. And so let me run this by you. So you have the whole iOS debacle right where it's like uh, uh, apple's like you know we're all about privacy and they market it as we're we're trying to protect you like we're all this privacy when really and in, in my mind all it is is a data grab they see that all this data is being controlled by all these different platforms and they're like we can control it because we're the source right at least for apple users and ios users so they start out by by blocking tracking doing all these things um, starting with the advertising and moving into email and moving into all things, right? At some point, they're going to need to do something with that data. And they know it's worth more than gold, more than oil. So what are they going to do? And I know that they've been pushing hard on Apple search ads, but really it's just through the app store. You can already tell that they've been doing beta testing with different, um, through Safari and different, different platforms like that, where they're doing, you know, search, search ads. My theory is that CPMs have been going up because they did make a deal with Facebook 
in particular, that they would start passing on uh, opt-out data. So those people who have opted out of tracking through the iOS 14.6. So now if, you know, for all those listening, if you go to Facebook and you go to your business manager and you go to events manager and you look at your aggregated events management or measurement, you'll see like if you, if you put like your primary conversion is like purchase, you'll see that number. That number is now your number of opt-outs who have purchased. So Apple is now passing on data back to Facebook. And my theory is, is this is sort of like their beta test with sending the, you know, what Facebook used to use back to Facebook, but at a cost. And that cost comes back on us as rising CPMs, even though people aren't spending as much. So that's my theory. And now it, if, it, if it does hold true, someone will leak this at some point in time. But just for right now, it makes me kind of feel good because we live in this conspiracy, like 2020, 2021 is like conspiracies galore, right? Um, but as, as far as like trends for like this, this near future, like in July and August, what are you guys expecting to see in the, the outdoor industry and movement and purchases? Yeah. So for us, we're expecting a really strong winter again. Um, you know, uh, part of it, I think, is going to still come from some face covering sales in the parts of the country that are still seeing rising COVID cases um, and maybe some shifts in regulations from local governments or ski resorts as the, the winter draws nearer and kind of when they roll out their policies. Um, but with such a large spike in outdoor participation last year, one of the things that I've kind of been watching with that is so many people started taking to, to new hobbies. Bikes were impossible to buy. Kayaks were being sold out left and right. More people were getting out hiking. And, you know, had this pandemic only lasted two or three months or the two weeks we all thought it was going to be uh, back in March of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, those habits, they would have, they would have spiked and everyone would have returned to the way life used to be. But to go 12 to 15 months, depending on what part of the country you were in with the, this new way of living, um, you know, much like work has changed for everyone to either fully remote now or hybrid models as we move back into the office. I think a lot of habits have shifted for people to really be driving more people to engage in outdoor activities, whether it's just getting out for a hike more often um, or more ambitious endeavors. Um, I think participation has permanently risen, um, not to the levels we saw last year. There's always going to be some attrition. Um, hiring higher participations. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, and you brought up a, a, an interesting point, um, sort, sort of segueing into like employees and dealing with what's going on now, because obviously there's this huge sort of pushback on going back to the office. And yeah. for, for us, we're fully remote, but we, we did have an office. However, it was like we had to renew our lease in March of 2020. And I was like, oh, I think I'm just going to wait. Um, so glad I did. But now you're having this push to go back to the office. Now, me personally, I get it because with an office, I can leave business at the office. 
right? It doesn't come home with me. Right? My work doesn't come home with me. I can leave it there. All the yeah. stress and all the issues I can leave there. But at the same time, I do completely understand why people want to work remote. And so it's interesting to see like this push for, for a lot of, especially these bigger corporations to get people back in the office. And, you know, I don't, I don't know the full purpose behind that, but for you guys, um, are you guys going back fully to the office? Are you guys working a lot remote sort of hybrid model? So we've, we've got a hybrid model. Um, you know, we're, we're in Northern Vermont, fairly rural area, um, small town. So we had a lot of people that were still coming in, uh, throughout the pandemic, uh, internet access isn't always a thing at everyone's home or not at the level that you need to do your job fully. Um, so we've got most people back in the office, but we've also had people that were remote before the pandemic and doing a hybrid model. Myself, I was remote for five years. The last five years would work from home and then travel to Vermont, work from the office for a week or so. Um, so we're going to maintain that hybrid model and allow employees to be flexible. Uh, we've got up here, you might have a commute that's an hour of driving without traffic. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, you're not sitting in, oh, it's 10 miles from point A to point B and it's just, it's bumper to bumper. So it takes forever. It's, you're moving the whole time at 50 miles an hour, but it still takes an hour because you're that far away. Um, so doing that five days a week is tough. So giving employees that uh, benefit to, they want to work three days a week in the office and two at home or two in the office, three at home. That's going to be how we move forward. Um, I think it's going to have a lot of benefits, not just to an employee happiness and productivity, but um, I think it's going to help us find more employees in the, the long run as well to have that flexibility as an option. Well, I've, I've always found that um, if, you know, if, if you're, if you're recruiting and hiring is on point, you're hiring adults and you're hiring people that fit the, the work and the lifestyle that you need for your company and your culture. And for the most part, if you treat them like adults and get out of their way, like things run very Absolutely. smoothly. Right. And um, yep. it's, it's so interesting to see how that doesn't, vibe well with corporate America when at the same time, you know, I was, I was in the military, which you could say was one of them employed over a million people. And yet that's a lot of times that's how we treated everyone. Granted, not at first when you're private, you don't get treated like that. But as you, as you get going, like that's pretty much, a, you're an adult, you know, the job, you know, the drill, like just do it. We'll get out of your way and let you handle it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons you see a push for bringing people back into the office, though, is there is a, a difference in the communication that happens. You know, I found that over the last year without any FaceTime in, in the office um, and being 100% remote, um, you know, your day becomes very full of meetings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what really could have been a five minute pop your head into someone's office, ask a quick question and go back to your desk, um, turned into a 30 minute block on your calendar pretty often. Um, so having that mix where you can still have those quick touch face conversations in person um, or the, the passing each other in the hallway and remembering something that the physical triggers to, to the to-do list that, uh, the informal to-do list of everyone's jobs, right, um, is 
has a lot of benefit. Um, you know, we're social creatures. That stuff is real. It's helpful. Um, so while there's a lot of benefit to remote, and you can certainly kind of leave people to do their job and expect them, here's the task, you know what you need to do, you'll get it done no matter where you are. Um, there's a creativity element to in person. Yeah, and I, and I think that sort of adds to what, you know, what culture is, right, in the workplace, right? It, yeah. it's, it's sort of this term that has been thrown all around loosely, right? It's not, it's not, I think, I do believe culture, quote unquote culture is, has been added to the corporate jargon, right? Of like, what does that mean? Um, but I think that sort of nails it on the head. And, and I do, uh, I have another theory. You, we have a lot more um, people acting out now, you know, everyone's back out in the, in the um, in society and running around and doing things and going on vacations, but you see a lot more, and maybe it's just the, the because people have video now and they're videotaping everything and TikTok exists. Um, but you see a lot more people acting out, acting on planes or acting out in, in a store or anything like that, right? Sort of throwing hissy fits and whatnot. Um, and my thought was, I wonder if that has to do with not being in the office anymore. Because when you are in the office, you have to work and vibe well with others. It's just how it is. Like you, they may not agree on the same things. You, you don't even talk politics. Like you don't do that. You don't touch it. There's certain things that you just wouldn't do. But after a year of not having to do that and everyone's sort of in their own echo chambers and 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 just hearing themselves talking what they you know all the biases that come along with that and everything that they wanted to hear that is sort of driven this division and how people are acting um towards one another even though they shouldn't be right and so yeah i do think there's so so much that is important with going to the office but i do think it totally depends on you your brand your employees um, everything that's happening. And, and obviously I do, I'm, like I said, me personally, I like having an office to go to. Um, on top of that, I feel like I, I do way more work when I'm remote because there's always something to do. Right. And if your computer and your, your laptop and your desk are right there, you just like, Oh, I got to do this. Right. And then pretty soon it's seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. You're like, what am I doing? I got stuff. To, I got other things to do. You know, I, got, I got a family to attend to. I got dinner to make. Um, but going back to what, you, what we were talking about previously, when we talked about, you know, rising costs for this year and, and sort of acquisition costs, um, what have been some of the bigger challenges that you guys have been facing so far in 2021? Yeah. So particularly for us, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we've been in the face covering business since 1982, what we do, um, and well, everyone else got into that business last year and people yeah. bought like crazy from anyone they could find and any piece of product they could get their hands on. Uh, and now there's a lot of people sitting on excess inventory. Mm -hmm. So particularly in the Amazon marketplace, we're seeing a lot of names that didn't exist 18 months ago and won't exist in 12 months. Um, and they're at bottom of the barrel pricing. It's not particularly great product in the first place. So yeah, I can understand how it's so cheap, um, but cutting through that noise in the Amazon marketplace is difficult for 
an established brand um, to then rank well against all of those lower price points, right? Um, telling a quality story in the Amazon marketplace isn't really what it's there for. It's price and availability. That's the tenants of the, the, the entirety of their assortment. So that's one of the bigger challenges we've been facing um, is increased competition in our particular market. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I remember this whole thing kicked off last year and um, you know, we do, we do a lot of advertising and social media and it was like, I think it was like May and June and July of last year. I don't know how many mask.com and you know, whatever it is.com add a mask in their companies hit us up. And we were always getting these conversations like, Oh, how long have you you know been in business for? Oh, you know, a month two weeks exactly just yep. just started and it's like you know these these guys maybe they work in the corporate world or whatever got together they went and spent 100 grand on masks somehow and then they're like oh this will be easy we'll just offload it on facebook and it's like well you know facebook uh they have regulations against that right now right this is before they sort of opened it up like you can't right and so everyone everyone was trying so many different ways to get around this and and it's going to be interesting um especially with inventory overhead right moving into towards the end of the year when you have the, the tax that has to come along with this. Like, what are they going to do? They got to dump it somewhere. Right. Or, or maybe they just put it in a warehouse and the warehouse accidentally burns down. I don't know. So it's, yeah, it's um, the, the fuel for this, the, this mask push. And on top of that, these aren't, these weren't even like medical grade anything. It was just like, you saw, you saw bikini companies take bikinis and make masks out of them and, and all this stuff. And, and maybe that works for some people. It's just, it was just, I don't know. The whole thing was just odd. And you could tell people that are just trying to jump on the bandwagon. It was, it was kind of annoying in my perspective anyways, but um, go ahead. Uh, it, it certainly became a, a crowded market very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if you could give, I guess, one piece of advice or, or something um, for, you know, our listeners to take home with them today and, and, and implement, what would that be? Do you have anything? That's a awfully broad question. Just one it piece is. of advice on and anything. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm just dropping it on you. Well, let's keep it, let's keep it retail <laughs> e-commerce e related. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, I was going to stay in that that lane anyways. I wasn't just going to, here's some good life advice. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't squat, don't squat with your spurs on. Yeah, don't pee up wind. Yeah. It's hard to narrow that down to just one good little nugget for, uh, for, for everyone. But I guess one of the things that's been top of mind for us lately um, has been, we, we just redesigned our website and it went live about a month ago and, and going through that really diet, trying to focus in on making a good user experience for all users, not just who, you know, you sit there and you look at your website um, as yourself, as a brand owner, as a e-commerce manager or director. And you know, I like this. It's great. Well, you do this every day, all day. How does the average person see it? Um, or how does a population that uses a computer in a different way see it? Um, an older population that doesn't have the tech familiarity, a uh, population that 
blind population that isn't using the visuals that you've spent so much time pouring over. Um, don't just stand up a standard site with the easiest theme you can find. Um, it's your face to the world. Put some time and effort into it and make sure it's a quality experience for as many people as possible. Um, and that's something we try and do. And every time we find out we need to tweak it more, we do. Um, so you'll never get it perfect, but it's worth putting that time in. It's the 21st century brick and mortar shop. You wouldn't just stand up a warehouse, throw some shelving in it and call your store done. Don't do that with a, a website either. Yeah, no, it, that's that's interesting you bring that up. I think I think that goes to the epitome of um, you know marketers ruin everything, but at the same time, it's it's this idea that we get so trapped in our own world, right? It's um, we we really only see what's in front of us, and um, and and yeah, it's you know I think if there's like the one tenant that you just touched on, that sort of is the underlying tenant for all things business-wise is like you really need to understand your customer Absolutely. And, and so many people I don't want to say take it for granted because that's not the right word the, it, it's like they think they know right yeah and we you know as, as business owners it's easy to get trapped in that especially because a lot of us are type a um a, a, lot, a lot of us in management and business you know it's, it's like that's just the nature of it like I, I got I got this figured out right um or you just don't want to deal with it but the issue is, is we have to be able to take a step back from that, you know, do a survey, talk to people, like even, even literally you have one-on-one -on -one conversations with your customers and, and, and ask them, ask them questions and, and, and talk about it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting that, um, and I think this goes to why, um, what, what's the like number one Shopify theme is it like turbo or sandbox or something like that, um, that like everyone uses. And, and I think that's the primary example is, you know, it's, everyone's just sort of going off what everyone else is doing and they're not thinking about their own customers and the viability there. Yeah. I mean, there's so much data in the world that if you're not using it to better understand who your, who your customers are, you know, you may know who you want them to be, but if you're already up and operating, the customers have decided who they are and they're telling you, you can find out, just you know, look at your Google analytics, or as you said, have conversations with them. I think that's a great thing that is lost a lot in e-commerce. Um, you know, if you ran a brick, brick and mortar shop, you've got customers coming in, you can talk to them and, and learn more about them. Um, and that's always hard for e-commerce. Uh, stores and e-com owners yeah well especially because you're trying to move so fast too but um all right so Coblin, colin uh giblin over at turtle fur you're the e-commerce director there so you know i appreciate your time appreciate you taking the time to chat with everyone today where can um where can people connect with you at yeah uh find me on linkedin um, colin giblin and over at turtle fur and reach out to me there or you can chase me down at turtle fur itself uh, find me on this little bio on the website so cool well thanks for taking the time out today colin and it was great talking to you 
We'll talk to everyone later. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can stay up to date and uh, listen to our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and Google Play. All right, all. Take it easy.